Welcome to another intriguing episode of Monetizing Your Creativity. Marvin, you lucky dog. Benjamin Wheelwright, now on Broadway, sitting next to you at the Mercer. Well, right now I'm just, I'm living the dream and I'm really just on this ride and I'm, I'm loving every day that I, that I get to go to the Barrymore Theater and be with this cast and be in front of an audience. Monetizing Your Creativity asks the question, what does it take to earn a living with your creative talents? This idea of getting found or like one big break, there are steps towards it. I think that's, that's something that I've always had in the back of my mind that you just have to keep on the right path. We focus on the success principles common to all disciplines by interviewing producers, directors, writers, actors, cinematographers, music composers, animators, designers, and much, much more. Learn how to create your own path to success. Let's roll. Well, hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Monetizing Your Creativity. I'm in the lobby of the Mercer Hotel in New York City, and Fred is in Vancouver, Canada. He's joining me via Skype. Fred, tell me who's sitting beside me. Marvin, you lucky dog. Benjamin Wheelwright, a fellow I met years ago when he was about 11 years old, now on Broadway, sitting next to you at the Mercer while I'm out here in the rain. Let's get right into it, Fred. Uh, what questions do you have for Benjamin? I guess the first one already was answered when I read that he was on Broadway in the curious incident of the dog in the nighttime, a hit show uh, from the West End of London and in Broadway now. In fact, he shares the lead for this play. He does indeed, which is, of course, what I want to talk to him about because uh, the last time I saw him, he was about 11 years old and uh, in The Sound of Music at the Citadel Theatre, a regional theatre in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. And so uh, I'm quite interested in hooking back up with Benjamin and asking what in heaven's name happened between that meeting and this one because all I'm reading about are great things. I've seen some of the short films he's he's put together and I'm just interested in in the path he took to get where he is now. And many congratulations to you, Benjamin. Thank you, thank you. Great to speak to both of you. Thanks for having me. Benjamin, how did how did you come to be on Broadway? What background, what training did you have and what moxie, what gumption did you pour into the mix that got you from where you were when I saw you at the age of 11 to where you are now on Broadway. Right. So I started at a uh, performing arts high school in Edmonton, Alberta, Victoria School of the Arts. And um, they were always in contact with the professional theater in Edmonton, the, the Citadel Theater, and they always needed kids to be in their productions. So I was always auditioning for the Citadel, and uh, that landed me a part of the Christmas Carol. And... Um, that was a show that I did for six years. Every Christmas, I would uh, start in November and be jolly and in the Christmas spirit for about a month. And I grew up uh, uh, doing this show. Uh, and then through working at the Citadel in many productions, not just A Christmas Carol, uh, I would meet actors uh, who had trained at the National Theatre School in Montreal. And they were really supportive of me going to the school and training there. So right after high school, when I graduated in um, 2011, I, uh, I auditioned for the school and I got in and uh, I spent three years in Montreal training at the National Theatre School which was my formative years, very uh, influential and life-changing. I graduated in 2014 and moved to Toronto. Auditioned there for a year, met all the casting directors, worked with my agent and uh, and then this audition came along and I, I jumped at the opportunity and and uh, and here I am. There's a story that goes behind the, uh, the actual audition process that I'll jump into later but uh, yeah, th that's sort of the broad stroke how I got here. 
Very interesting. And I'll tell you why I, this intrigues me, because uh, when I went online to do a little homework uh, and found something that said uh, Benjamin's audition for Christopher, mm. but when I clicked on it, it said, this video is not available. All right. <laughs> I thought there's, there's got to be a story here somewhere. But uh, uh, so, yeah, I'd like to I'd like to I'd like to pick that up with you. Yeah. So I was on a bus on the mega bus from Toronto to Montreal to visit to visit the National Theatre School and see the class below me graduate in their graduating shows and the ceremony that ha follows right after. And while I was on the bus, I got a call from my agent saying, hey, there, there's uh, this audition that just came in for The Curious Incident. Uh, do you think you could put yourself on tape? I said, well, I'm on a bus right now. I don't think I'll have time. And they're like, just throw anything together and just send it my way and we'll see uh, you know, what you've got. So I didn't have any time to learn the sides. I think there was four sides that I had to do uh, in two hours, memorized in two hours. Uh, so what I did is that I got landed in Montreal called a friend who was at the school, said, hey, can we just uh, spend an hour in the studio uh, and uh, throw this audition together? And he, he was very helpful and agreed to do it. Um, but because I hadn't learned any of the lines, what we did is we set music stands up right below the eye of the camera, and I was reading off the sides <laughs> um, below, you know, on the music stand. So that filmed audition was sent off to the creatives in New York. And at that time, I was planning to go from Montreal and fly to London. Uh, and spend some time with uh, family friends in London and uh, visit uh, family members in North Wales. And it was just this idea of getting out of North America. I'd spent three years meeting people in the industry in Canada and I just wanted to sort of broaden my horizons and see what was happening in, in London at that time. So I, I, was on a, I was on a plane and I arrived in London and I got a call from my agent saying that that audition, that filmed audition, had gone through and they wanted to see me back in, in New York, and I said, well, I'm on the other side of the Atlantic right now, I don't think I can make it there. And they said, okay, well, we'll see what we can do. And what they managed to do is organize a one-on-one -on -one audition with the associate director of the show that was happening on the West End, which I had seen the night before I got this call, so the serendipity is just, you know, flying everywhere, that I'd seen the show and then the next day was auditioning for it, which is pretty wild. Um, so I was at the National Theatre, where the show originated, uh, at a studio with, you know, black and white fo uh, photographs of Dame... Helen Mirren and Dame Judi Dench on the wall auditioning and I just landed in London and already I was thinking well, this is a trip of a lifetime this is I'm really happy I got on this plane um, and so I did the the uh, audition there with the associate director that audition was also filmed and sent to the creatives in uh, in New York and then a couple days later they said yeah you should get on this plane they really they really like you and they want to see you in New York in person so four days after I landed in London, I was already on a plane back, you know, not having recovered from jet lag <laughs> and uh, already uh, flying back over the Atlantic to uh, audition for them in person. And that audition was a, um, a two day audition process. The first day you met the director, Marianne Elliott, the producers, the um, casting directors, uh, and you had to prepare seven scenes. And then if you made it, oh yeah, that was the other thing that the agent said, yeah, it's down to five, it's down to five people. So, you know, there's a good chance and they're casting two, an alternate, and the, and the main Christopher. So I said, well, it's, you know, the, the chances are pretty good. But when I got there, I saw the list and there was maybe 12, 13 people on the list. So I think they had <laughs> a, a white lied <laughs> just so I would get on that plane. So the fire was still under my butt, you know, I, oh, I don't have it yet, you know. Uh, and then the second day was uh, a movement call in the morning with the, the movement directors. And at that point it was actually down to five and the five Christophers that were remaining were auditioning together and doing a, what they called building blocks, which weren't necessarily choreography from the show, but 
building blocks to which the choreography was then built off of. Uh, so we were doing that in the room together, and uh, and then and then he made, uh, there was twelve people on the other side of that table while we were doing this. So you know the pressure was on. Yeah, and then after that audition, I flew back to to London after that, not having really realized what just happened and just going through the roller coaster. <laughs> what was that audition process like for you emotionally? I mean, jet lag really helped. I didn't really know what was happening, and I was just sort of in it. And I think that was really good in a way that I didn't get too in my head or too nervous because it was just so everything happened so fast that I didn't really have time to consider. Too much too much time to prepare might have uh, been a tad overwhelming. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, I've, I found that in the past that if I have a week to prepare for something, yeah, you overthink it. And then the ratio to actually just being in the room for five minutes, it doesn't really do it justice, all the, all the worrying that goes into it, you know? And then what happened after you returned to London? It was a month. It was about, yeah, it was close to a month of not hearing anything. And <laughs> that was pretty painful. It was helpful that I was in uh, in London and seeing other great theater and traveling and meeting great people to distract me. But at the time, I was constantly calling my agent saying, oh, I didn't hear anything. And they kept on saying, no news is good news. No news is good news. But what I what they what I learned later is that they knew the whole time that I had that I had booked it. And what they were waiting for was the, the Tony Awards to see, I guess, if the show um, would continue. And uh, thankfully, it did. And it won five Tony Awards. So they knew it would it would continue in that day. The, the next day after the Tonys, uh, they let me know. And I was on a train from North Wales after visiting my grandmother. And uh, I get a call. And um, and they said, uh, we just we just heard back and they would really like to... And it cut out. I had hit a tunnel. <laughs> and uh, I quickly called them back on my burner cell phone. And I got a hold of them eventually. And, and they let me know. And, you know, just the, the world is wishing, whizzing by me on the window. And I'm just, you know, dizzy and... It happened. Man, oh man, oh man. Yeah, it was. It was. <laughs> it was. Uh, yeah, the tingles are running up my spine as I. <laughs> now, what did you learn about the the whole audition process as a result of this? Well, you know, I'd spent the year in Toronto, auditioning for film and television. And I, I yeah, just what I was saying before about getting two in your head. This was a great experience because I was having so much fun outside of the actual audition, traveling and seeing other theater and and I wasn't too worried about it at the time because I knew that I had a really great trip to return to even if it didn't work out. National Theater School is a great pedigree, uh, Benjamin, but we also hear about the the differences, the gap. You hear about it in sports as well, the gap between uh, being terrific within that training environment and then either jumping or easing into the profession itself and how different those two uh, laboratories of experience can be. Uh, can you uh, tell us a bit about uh, uh, how you find the profession? And now, and I, I say this, I know you're sharing the lead, but, but uh, you know, Broadway is a pinnacle for so many performers and, and craftspeople in other craft categories. Tell us about the challenges of making that leap from, for want of a better term, amateur status to the professional turf. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think when you leave drama school, you really uh, you you have the sense of free falling because you don't really know what's happening, and you need to create the structure for yourself. And for me, that included you know doing a, a voice class or stretching you know twice a week. So I sort of found that that structure for myself. But if that's what I learned quite early on is that people who leave drama school are so. Um, in tune with this uh, this 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 regiment that if you don't keep it up in your own way, then yeah, there is a sense of free falling and being lost. 
Have you found mentors or coaches or support or, in fact, peer support? Or is that the competition, especially among peers, still still an issue? Yeah, I told myself that I wouldn't go and, and train with someone else for at least, you know, two years after leaving drama school. There's a, there's, it's also important that once you leave drama school that you, you take a break from training because you need, you need time f- to let everything sort of settle and digest. And, and, and uh, so I found support within my peers, the people that I went to school with. The whole class moved to Toronto, so there was a, a lot of time for us to talk about our experience, you know, away from uh, from school and, and living and, and working and auditioning together. That was that was hugely helpful. And Benjamin, what about support from your parents through all of this? As Fred has mentioned several times in this podcast, you know, he heard from people in his family saying, my goodness, Fred, what are you going to do with a theater degree? Yeah. <laughs> my parents have been hugely supportive, but I remember in grade 12, they said, oh, what about a plan B? And I, I remember saying to my mom, you may need a plan B, but I don't. And maybe that was just being 18 and very sure of myself. But I'm, I'm, I'm kind of happy that I've put my money where my mouth is and, and stuck with it. There's only so much you can do uh, on your own. I love to hear that story, the serendipitous, that being in the right place at the right time or being in the wrong place at the right time and perhaps increasing the appetite to see a bit more of this young actor that they were pursuing. Tell me, where are you now in your head? And, and I, I hate to say this, but uh, what's next? Where to from here? Yeah. Um, well, right now I'm just I'm living the dream, and I'm really just on this ride, and I'm I'm loving every day that I that I get to go to the Barrymore Theater and, and be with this cast and be in front of an audience twice a week. It's I'm learning a bunch. So at the moment I'm just really trying to be as present as possible because I know uh, last that that this is a a rare opportunity, and and I really want to savor every moment of it. What's next? I'm here for the year. The contract ends uh, yeah. end of July. Um, so at the moment, there's not much that I can do audition for other things. But what I am trying to do is is uh, meet as many casting directors here and, and other actors and try to build a community here. And it's helpful that I have the show. I don't know what this city would be if I would just move here as a as an actor just by myself. It's it's been really fortunate that I've had this this show to to be my uh, my, my my support system through this move. Benjamin, what do you do in your off time? Um, I walk the city a bunch. I'm really having a love affair with the city. I'm getting to know it, and it really feels like you're a part of this big machine. It has so much history, and and it's and it's cool to you know find your place within it, or think that you are. <laughs> um, so I'm walking the city a bunch. I'm, I'm going to art galleries, but it, there, you have to take it at a certain pace. When I first moved here, I was going out a bunch, and I was seeing everything that I could, and then I. You know, a month had passed and I was drained and I said, oh, geez, <laughs> when you live here, it's okay to just go home and watch Netflix, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Benjamin, if you could give some advice to people who want to follow the path that you have, what advice would you give? Just to do it, just to keep, keep doing it. I think people think that if you're an actor, you need a bunch of people involved. You need a, you need a script, you need a theater, you need lights, you need everything. But some advice that was given to me when I was in grade 12 was just to lock yourself in a room and just be with a piece of text and just crack it open. And I'm, I'm living with a jazz musician right now and I hear him practicing his scales, you know, twice a day. And I think that's, as an actor, you need to find something equivalent. So whether it's taking a character for a walk, finding yourself on the subway and just study people, anything that you can hold on to that, that satisfies you and it's not a chore, you know, for it to happen naturally is quite important. 
but if you find something that's equivalent to practicing a scales, I think that's that's what a young actor should try to strive for. Uh, Benjamin, you had a story you wanted to share with us about uh, uh, the importance. Well, I'll let you tell it. Yeah, for sure. So after I auditioned uh, and uh, was in London uh, and I knew that I had booked the part, um, my plan was to go back to Canada and, you know, pack up my life and get ready to move to, to New York City. I didn't know what that meant at the time, but what I did know is that I had to go back to Edmonton uh, and, and see my family before I moved. So when I went back to Edmonton, I connected with my high school drama teacher and he was really, really gracious and, and allowed me to work in, in, in the studio at the, at the high school. He gave me the key to the studio and said, you know, have at her. And I think that's really important. It was actually kind of cool, was sort of a full circle thing, because that was the studio that I locked myself in, working on uh, monologues, uh, preparing for, for my audition to drama school. And, and then, then I found myself in the same room, you know, cracking open the script of The Curious Incident. So when I connected with him, he let me know uh, that he, he follows the associate director of the show, Curious Incident here in New York, so a different associate director than I was that I auditioned for in London. So the associate director here, he follows on Twitter, and he knows that he is working on Curious Incident. So he connected the dots that in grade 11, this the same guy came to my high school and gave a workshop, gave a workshop on what it is to take over a Broadway part and how that rehearsal process goes, because it's kind of different because it's. It's been set, you know, the choreography's been set, the intentions have been set, and it's their job to, to relay that to, to the new cast coming in. So he gave a workshop on that, and I think we were working on uh, Hairspray, you know, uh, we were working on that script. And it's just funny to, you know, when he told me that, the chills, you know, ran up my spine that I had met him when I was 16 years old, spent, you know, five years apart, and then I was auditioning for him here in New York, and he was, he was, he was gonna be the, my director, it's just it's just funny how how people you know pop back up in your life and and it's important I don't know what I was like in that in, in that workshop I don't think he even remembers me necessarily from that workshop but it's just important to be as good as you can be to the people in this industry because you never know you never know how they're gonna pop back up in in your life really every relationship matters right really does yeah and you don't know it until you know I, I've learned a lot from that and it's just to have you know an open heart and an open mind and, and, and just be so so present with people because you want to you want to stick in their mind somehow and uh, <laughs> yeah and once you do that then you know later on down the line it's gonna it's gonna re repay you I certainly remember some old stagehand saying to me uh, be kind to the ones you meet on the way up Sonny because they're the same ones you meet on the way down <laughs> yeah I like that yeah I'm gonna remember that to what extent does tenacity play a part in making all of this happen I mean, I've been really fortunate that I haven't had a lot of, I mean, I had that year in Toronto where I wasn't necessarily working and I, it was the first time that I had that Joe job, you know, that, that experience. So it was a good introduction to the patience that you need in this business. So I can't really speak to tenacity because I think if you look at, you know, graduating high school, going to the National Theatre School, spending a year in Toronto auditioning and then, you know, booking this, it's been a pretty, I'm very fortunate and, and humbled that it's been a pretty steady escalation. But definitely just, just getting out there constantly and knowing that there are steps that you can take in this business and this idea of getting found or like one big break, there are steps towards it. I think that's, that's something that I've always had in the back of my mind that you just have to keep on the right path. Great. In fact, that sounds like another episode, doesn't it, Fred? It, it does to me, yes. Uh, I'd, I'd be very interested in, in getting back together with Benjamin if he has the time or inclination and pursuing some of these ideas about progress and its... Uh, and it not being a particularly straight path. Absolutely, yeah. 
Terrific. Well, let's do that. Thanks for joining us today, Benjamin. We'll look forward to bringing you back another time. Thanks for tuning in to Monetizing Your Creativity. Be sure to join us next time by subscribing to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please leave a review. It helps us with our ratings. You can also visit monetizingyourcreativity.com for more information about the show. And hey, be sure to tell your friends who want to understand how to monetize their creativity.